0: I understand it.
1: Rectangle of mediocrity.
0: Wow, Craig. That was some outstanding stuff. How does it tie in? You sound like a real nerd.
1: I'm grooving. (laughs) Now I'm going off on a rant.
0: Our guests are the meat to our stale bread.
1: Another edition of the Channel Partners Podcast, Coffee with Craig and Kevin. I am the executive editor of Channel Partners and Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith, joining me as always, the National Homeschool Teacher of the Year our business development director, Mr. Kevin Morris. Kevin, how are you?
0: (laughs) Doing well, Craig. Uh, Another fantastic intro, although, again, untrue. While I am doing some teaching as as the kids are, you know, home learning, if you will, distance learning, it's a very good thing for Google. Uh, Let's just say when they ask me a question about anything, I'm always like, oh, I just got to finish up something for work. Give me five minutes. I Google it, and I walk in as if I know it, so so they think I'm much smarter than I actually am.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, aren't they past second grade? I mean, that's pretty much where your education stopped.
0: <laughs> Ooh, that is unfortunately sad but true, as Metallica once said.
1: <laughs> they did indeed.
0: So... So, yeah, man, in addition to, you know, some of the homeschooling, you know, being home, uh, of course, we're all doing some new things as we're home a lot more often with our families and and working from home. So uh, one thing is experimenting with cooking on this end. Not always a good thing uh, for my family, but uh, definitely came across a pulled chicken barbecue recipe that will uh, make the rotation. Let's just put it that way. That was absolutely delicious. (laughs) in addition to that, of course, just talking to our fabulous sponsors and exhibitors and all the vendors about all the great things they're doing throughout this pandemic as well. Craig, uh, how are you doing? And let me ask, what have you been up to?
1: Yes, sir. Unlike Macaulay Culkin, uh, we are not home alone, are we?
0: (laughs) We most certainly are not.
1: Uh, You ask what I've been up to. You know, the one thing I've probably taken on a little more seriously uh, since all of this has been going on is dog training. And I'm not sure that Louie has appreciated that much. But, uh, you know, I've been getting a little lazy when things get busy. And uh, with really nowhere to go, uh, we've been working on uh, some of the commands. And I'm still trying to figure out if uh, I'm training him more or if he's training me. It's it's about 50-50 right now, probably leaning a bit in his direction.
0: Of course. Have you learned SIT yet? would be my question you have to kind of know it to teach it
1: well sit i'm actually very good at because i'm (laughs) I'm in this chair about 10 hours a day so uh...
0: (laughs) maybe not fetch so much because then you have to go do something
1: yes yes that one's that's a difficult one for me uh for sure but uh so good times Uh, it's been fun it's a little stressful at times i gotta say when uh, he's not doing what i'm asking him to do and it uh, takes some effort but uh it's been going pretty well overall so i can't complain Kevin, as you were the DJ for this episode, I gotta ask, who is flowing behind us in the background? And a follow-up question, a Craig classic, how does it tie in? (laughs) That
0: is a classic Craig question. This is uh, someone from the 80s, Uh, actually one of the first albums I ever purchased with my own money. It's Young MC, Stone Cold Ryman. Your shoulders are probably moving a little bit in your chair. You're probably Jer dancing a little bit with this in the background.
1: I'm grooving. I feel like I'm at Studio 54. (laughs) The
0: song is Know How. Because, as we know, our listeners and partners have a ton of know-how, even if we do not. And speaking of which, now is a good time as any to improve your personal know-how, Craig.
1: Yes, sir, we could uh, both certainly use that. I do now see how the song ties in. But when it comes to improving know-how, you should just speak for yourself. I mean, you've got nowhere to go but up in that department. See, even Digi agrees.
0: I should have seen that coming when I thought of this opener. My whole life, I don't get no respect. I just keep teeing myself up.
1: Well, don't take it so hard, Kevin. Digi and I are just messing with you, kinda. (laughs) Anyway, what were you getting at before Digi and I interrupted? Oh, right. We've heard many business experts, including our own Informa executives, discuss repeatedly about this being a great time to look internally as a business, as well as personally for ways to improve and become more efficient and effective.
0: That's right, Craig. Wait, hold up a minute. Did you just agree with me? That must be the first time ever.
1: Wrong again, Kevin. As Digi just pointed out, this is actually the second time I've agreed with you. You didn't keep that streak going for long, my friend.
0: Anyway, as I was saying, there is no better time than now to beef up your know-how. Whether it be from a partner perspective in terms of evaluating their current vendors as well as assessing future areas for growth with potential new vendors and their solutions based on your changing client and prospective customer needs.
1: You said it, Kevin. Wow, that's three times we've agreed now. woo And for vendors, it's a great time to evaluate current partner performance, program efficiency, and metrics, while also looking for new specific partner types that might be able to help you break into market verticals you maybe have previously struggled with, especially given today's converged channel ecosystem.
0: Whoa, Craig, did I just hear you drop a hard
1: ecosystem? Uh, It pained me to do it, but I did, sir.
0: Well done. Speaking of top vendors in the channel ecosystem, what do you say we bring in our first guest so our listeners can actually progress instead of regress by listening to this podcast?
1: Sure thing, Kevin, but let's make sure they stay tuned as after the interview, we'll outline various ways to continue to improve your personal and channel know-how during these uncertain times, as if we have any clue how to do that.
0: (laughs) Can't wait. But first, please allow me to welcome in Ed Fox. Ed is the Chief Technology Officer with Mettel. Ed, how are we doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. To kick things off, uh, can you tell us a little about your background and what led to your role as CTO of Metel, as well as becoming a member of the Forbes Technology Council?
2: Sure. You know, I joke around all the time that my background in technology began uh, a, a long time ago when, when Al Gore came to speak at my college and he was building the information superhighway all by himself. So that, that, <laughs> that's how I ended up in this business today. But I've spent about 30 years in the in the carrier and service provider side of the industry. You know, I began working in, in manholes, believe it or not, to deliver the hottest new technology, which were, back then was called T1s. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was a dirty job. Um, spent a lot of time on the wireless side. I was involved in the first digital call that uh, actually survived a switch to switch handoff back when CDMA was all the rage. So that was that was pretty interesting. And then I was involved in a lot of the uh, initial VoIP deployments uh, and brought that technology into some of the financial industries, particularly at events where we did a lot of unveilings, which was pretty pretty neat time. And now we're uh, early adopters of SD wan and then seeing the uh, technology flavor of the day, you know, in the carrier space and the technology space, it seems to change quite a bit. But I I can say that the, the rate of change that's happening nowadays. is just amazing, particularly in the situation with with uh, COVID and the quarantine, and you know the amounts of people you see in the in the short amount of time uptake different technologies is just amazing. So I'm glad to be here, and that's kind of my background and how I got here. You know, I I, I have a pretty unique perspective where I sit in Mettel today and on the Forbes Technology Council. I, I, uh, I have the ability to research new technologies that are coming out and kind of figure out how to introduce them and productize them, and then and help sell them to our biggest clients and, and to uh, you know industries, and then and then I get to go get yelled at when they don't work. <laughs> so so I, I get the full life cycle. You
0: mean some of these big ideas don't actually work? <laughs> More often than not. <laughs> That's yeah, a I, lot like Craig's ideas.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I can relate to that because the bosses are always yelling at me for Kevin's performance on these podcasts.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm, I'm living up to that today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in good company today, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ed,
1: of course, uh, the channel partners audience very well familiar with Mattel, probably thinking of you guys first as mobility, likely due to our mutual friend and Coffee with Craig and Kevin podcast veteran Max Silber. However, congratulations are in order as Mettel recently won a Stevie Award for your managed SD-WAN solution. Why don't you talk about the significance of that award, maybe detail for the partners listening, what sets Mattel's SD-WAN solution apart from maybe some of the other vendors uh, they've seen in the space?
2: Yeah, sure. We're happy to receive that award. And, uh, you know, we participate in the STV American Business Awards uh, as a company for a few different things. And our latest win there was on our uh, innovation summit where it's a kind of a forum where we bring in all of our biggest clients and talk about the latest technologies and and I mentioned that because that kind of helps us drive what our products are going to be and where we use technology uh, and sd Wan was one of those. So, you know, it, it's nice to be recognized by the Stevie Awards for for both that forum and and for this product in particular that came out of that forum. As far as how um, you know how we differentiate ourselves, I guess you know I could probably list about fifty different points. So you guys can stop me at any time. Give me the uh, give me the hook.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> forty the limit. Ed. <laughs>
2: I'll try to keep it brief, but um, we like to think we were in the SD-WAN game for uh, well over 10 years now. I think it was back in 2008, 2009 where we saw a need in the marketplace and our clients asking us for more bandwidth. And what we started to do was we, we found a company to, uh, that made uh, a software-defined networking technology. SD-WAN wasn't a sexy word yet or an industry term, but uh, we, we bought this software from, uh, from these guys, and we deployed it on you know run-of-the-mill Intel off-the-shelf hardware that we uh, sourced from our own methods uh, and deployed, you know, matching pieces of that software into our backbone and into our data centers. And we we built this point-to-point technology. And really what we built it for was at that time, if you remember, there was hard for retail and for a lot of other branch offices to get good broadband, you know, a Mm -hmm. lot of bandwidth. What we built it for was to aggregate uh, multiple different circuits, so whether that be, you know, not necessarily T1s, because there was different multi-link technologies out there at the time, which all were pretty clumsy. But the likes of DSL, the initial DSL and IDSL, if you remember that. So any any data technology, any IP technology, we were able to aggregate circuits and give the the end user customer aggregate broadband or aggregate bandwidth. As we did that, we learned very quickly that this point-to-point technology allowed us to route around instantaneously in the industry, in the MPLS network, you hear about um, brownouts or black holes or, oh, we had a, a nationwide outage in a tier one carrier because we ran out of memory in our in our routers for some reason, right? This technology allowed us to route around that. So from, you know, point number one, we, we think we've been in this business for a little over 10 years now. And, and to our points earlier, we, we've made the mistakes, right? We learned from kind of doing it wrong and making mistakes. And, and we've been in the game for a long time. You know, since we already had that knowledge uh, around how to operate this and the benefits of what we were seeing out in the wild for our customers, we started to look for technologies to help us more mass produce this. And that's when we went on looking for SD-WAN vendors and we engaged uh, VMware VeloCloud very early on in the process, we were actually their first carrier partner to engage with them. And you know, they checked all the boxes for us. We we had been in the game for, you know, four or five years at that point, And we figured out, you know, what our technology needed to do at minimum to give us the ability to start replacing, hopefully, MPLS technologies. And they they checked the boxes and, and they worked with us to actually make sure that our sd network as we deployed it, integrated very seamlessly into our MPLS network because we knew our bigger customers that had thousands of nodes of MPLS, you know, that they wouldn't flip a switch and say, okay, go turn on SD-WAN for me tomorrow and, you know, we'll take the downtime. We knew it would be more of a uh, a migration or organic migration, and that's what's turned out to be true. So, all you know, our network that allows us, that gives us access to all those uh, MPLS carriers out in the world today, you know, with a simple LOA, we can become part of that private network and we can start to overlay SD-WAN as it makes financial and technological sense for our customers. Some of the other points, um, you know, we operate at least seven unique SD-WAN networks today. Some are purpose-built for different customers or for different uh, traffic types. Out of those networks, we have we operate 50 plus different gateways throughout the nation um, in nine of our domestic data centers. And part of what we do and what we've learned throughout the years there is that we operate an access network uh, separate from the public Internet network. And what I mean by that is we went out and uh, Comcast is a great example. So Comcast provides broadband, you know, in in a large portion of the country. and, And, you know, we use them to deliver broadband to a lot of our customers. We went out and we provided different network and interconnected and peered with them on the access side, so that our customers that want to use Comcast broadband, or that's what we're going to supply them because it's the best choice in their geographic location, that traffic can get to our data centers and off to wherever it needs to go, either the public internet or private cloud or public cloud, you know, wherever we're interconnecting them to. We can do that in such a way that's faster than than most because we're not sharing the public internet and the access internet. It also gives us different availability for troubleshooting as well. So when we have a trouble on an access circuit, you know, let's, let's call it a, you know, a broadband cable circuit that's, you know, 300 meg by 150 meg maybe. Um, not only can we engage the underlying provider, say Comcast in this example, as an access circuit issue, but we can also engage them from a peering and carrier partner issue, because uh, we've gone out and built with them so we get a different uh, viewpoint from their network and we get a lot of other people involved pretty quickly. Um, so so that, that's a huge differentiator for us. The other differentiations for us are, you know, we do a one-stop shop. So we provide everything from the managed SD-WAN service uh, and into the LAN, you know, managed switching, managed Wi-Fi, you know, all the way down to the unified communication endpoint, if possible. And then on the access side, you know, we have, uh, we're interconnected and we have agreements with 70 plus different carriers out there to offer broadband, DIA. LTE, MPLS, Ethernet, Microwave, you name it. Um, We give our customers, I don't know, like a Chinese menu, I'll call it, I guess, of uh, access methods for any given location. Uh, And that allows our customers to choose, allows them to kind of categorize their locations and say, you know, this is a tier one, so I'm gonna spend the most and give them the most bandwidth. And this is kind of a tier three or tier four location. And I'll give them LTE and best effort, broadband, because uh, that's all they really need. And we manage that all together on on one bill, and all of their interaction with, with us is is through one portal. So um, that that's another huge differentiator. And, and I guess, you know, the one that the the award you guys mentioned is kind of based around is our intelligent automation platform. And that platform gives us the ability to um, pretty much assess and take action on SD-WAN and network issues, uh, we like to say automagically, and it learns from mistakes. And we've kind of talked about (laughs) mistakes quite a bit in this call, but, you know, the ability for our system to learn what the right way is to do things and do it automatically has kind of helped us uh, grow this product pretty quickly. I think I'll stop there. I'll take my uh, I'll take my over at 5. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was only 5.
0: Oh, and, and those were definitely five very good reasons for for winning those awards. And, and congratulations again on the two awards. I, I didn't know about the Innovation Summit awards. So so very well done there. And I do want to say, you know, Craig and I are super familiar with our conversations starting with mistakes. And that that's just when every time Craig starts talking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well <laughs> yeah. played.
0: That, that was a layup. That was a layup. MBA wow. is coming back. So I'm excited. But uh, so, <laughs> so, Ed, as Craig will gladly tell you, I am way too easily confused once this technology discussion gets underway. So to help me further understand how AI and SD-WAN are making enterprise networks more efficient, are you able to share a quick example of how the two working together can immediately provide noticeable benefits for an enterprise customer?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I guess I'll start that with a little background on what we call AI and what our intelligent automation platform is. Funny story, you know, when we embarked on our our AI projects, we all sat in a room and discussed for, had a workshop and discussed probably for a day and a half, you know, came up with all these great use cases that we were going to deploy AI against, and we're going to fix all these issues, and it was going to be great. And our third party, who's a company called Intelligence that we work with, they guided us through this whole collaboration effort. And then, As we sat down and looked at those 80 use cases, there was about two that were actual AI and machine learning use cases that we could do. So it's very interesting that a lot of us actually think of it, when we think of AI and machine learning, it's really a lot of just automation. It's kind of analogous to when we t- everyone talks about 5G out there. You know, we we talk about 5G and, you know, we show a flying car on TV. The car may <laughs> or may not fly or drive itself, but it has really nothing to do with 5G. So <laughs> yeah. kind of the same analogy, right? But what we did learn is, you know, AI is very good when you have a bunch of data, structured or unstructured, and you have one question to ask it and you're expecting one type of answer. So what we did is, and what helps our customers today, what they're the benefactor of, is that we went ahead and we trained different AI algorithms on a whole bunch of trouble tickets that we were dealing with on the SD-WAN side. So all these trouble tickets come in and, you know, people have to triage it and they have to determine where to send it next. Uh, And it might go to the wrong person or it might go to the wrong department. And we all know that that movement of of responsibilities always includes with us some type of delay, you know, and some type of confusion. And (laughs) since we're on the topic of making mistakes today... Uh, you know, and people make mistakes. So, you know, if it goes to the wrong department and it's not supposed to be there, you know, that that's a loss to the customer, and it's an overall loss to the business, and it it's not a good experience overall. So, we took a a couple different AI algorithms, trained it on our trouble tickets. We came up with, uh, you know, one that worked the best, and we started to deploy this within our system. Uh, so, we we trained it, and we we pretty much let it loose. So, today in our intelligent automation platform, which is couple AIs that we string together to ask, you know, multiple questions with a bunch of, you know, I think Gartner's term today for it is robotic process automation, but it's really just machine automation, right? With that mixed in, in between those questions and kind of stuck on the beginning and the end of the process. So, and these are fresh numbers. I just got these this week because I was on another call. Today, we have it is 80, a little over 80%, it's like 80.3% looks like, of our SD-WAN tickets today are actually opened automatically by our processes. 100% of all our SD-WAN tickets are triaged automatically, so that means that these tickets come in, our AI is making a decision on where to send it next, and that could be to a person or a group that is uh, known for fixing this, these issues most efficiently, because the AI keeps track, Or it could be to another uh, automation process that we've built that can get additional information. So the AI is in charge of of doing that and it kind of reads the ticket constantly almost in real time. So it's almost like I have a you know like the uh, the angel on everyone's shoulder looking at tickets constantly and it will bring it to them if they're one of the people that are best suited to fix it. So hundred percent of the tickets get that treatment today And then on the automation process, um, we're actually resolving and closing 34% of all those tickets, whether they're opened up automatically or not they're being closed by this intelligent automation system so wow. those numbers are pretty huge and it's allowing us to grow and what it's allowing us to do is start to take time to look at uh, introducing this ai and all this automation into predictive analytics you know you always hear about you know we're going to predict that your circuit goes down i'm going to predict that you know there's a maintenance event on your car or What have you to do that? You have to get through like the real issues first, right? So introducing the predictive issues when you haven't really got a hold on the real issues is is kind of ridiculous. But we're at that point. You know, we think we've we've got a really good handle from automation perspective on the actual issues. Now we're really tuning it, and where we have a couple customers in beta on this we're predicting what's gonna happen and we're looking at um, degradation, I'll call it, and we're taking action on that. So we're super excited about how it's working. And once again, if anyone's listening out here and they're going into AI, it's lots of data and only expect to ask it one question and get an answer. And if you wanna string together a bunch of those, You can do that, but you're not going to solve world hunger with AI today. It's one question, one answer.
1: Man, that is a great example, Ed. i got to tell you, though, Kevin cringed just a little bit when you brought up robotic process automation, because that was really music to the ears of our digital services robot mascot, Digi. You're probably not familiar with him, but it's Kevin's arch nemesis, and he doesn't like it when people talk about things that (laughs) Digi's really into.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's trying to get me kicked off as co-host, Ed. I mean, I I can't root for Digi. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Well, Ed, why don't we uh, wrap up by maybe you offering some peer-to-peer advice for CTOs out there who are continuing to navigate the channel during these tough times caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. You got anything for them?
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I I think what we've been positioning for, um, and from a technology perspective, you know, a lot of the automation that we put in place is is what we're expecting to help us as, you know, we feel is going to be a when everyone starts opening up doors again and, you know, we're going to have this huge influx of activity, you know, some of it good, some of it bad, uh, that we'll have to deal with. And I think that that automation is going to help us. But but from a technology and products perspective also, you know, we're I'm really gearing up and we're really gearing up to start to help our customers with a technology where there's going to be most immediate cost savings, uh, you know, as businesses try to get back on their feet. So some of those things that uh, you know we can go in and say, hey, listen, here's something that that you know it's it's a good technology, we're comfortable with it, and you know here's all the bells and whistles behind it, but we can deploy it quickly and we can save you money quickly. So we have under Mettel's product umbrella, it's like an eye chart, you know, the, our product list. We have all those products in there that are. That are purpose-built and uh, point products just for saving money. So uh, you know we're going to really concentrate on those as we're coming out of the pandemic here. And I think you know a lot of us technologists should be very cognizant of the business looking businesses looking to save big money as they come out of this. Every one of our our whole supply chain, right, Uh, in the channel and for us, uh, all of our customers are going to be looking to save money, and it's going to we're all going to feel it. So. I think we're going to be very successful with those products. So it's trying to position those as best we can. The other thing I would mention is um, we talk a lot about mistakes uh, on the automation and AI front. We always say internally, with my team, particularly on the technologist side, I'm always saying, I don't say it's customers, not necessarily, but you don't really learn how to do it right until you've done it wrong. And the same old true on the automation, the AI side. You know, if you can make mistakes quicker and get your people out of worrying about making mistakes and blame it on a, a, a bot or something that they don't have control over, yet they can help fix more quickly. I think it's the best of both worlds right it kind of gets them out of hey i made a mistake i feel bad let the automation make the mistake and in our case that automation is making the mistake a hundred times in time that the person would make the mistake and it's learning more quickly how to do it right so that that's another thing that we should be we should all be looking at I, i guess that that's about it you know coming out of the pandemic i just hope we can all get back to uh Get back to your business as usual as quickly as possible for everyone's sake.
0: Completely agree on that point, Ed, and, and very good advice indeed. You know, as they say, don't be afraid to fail. Mistakes are our greatest teachers. And I, and can I get that quote from you again, just so I remember it? Sometimes I need to hear things five times, as Craig will tell you that. <laughs> don't be afraid. It would, huh. <laughs> when you can't learn it till you get it wrong. Is, say I, that th- one
2: again. No, I think I said, Digi knows best.
0: Oh, huh. boom! Yes. There, there it was. Oh, man! Drop the take mic right an, there. Taking take uppercuts today, Craig. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, well, Ed. In all seriousness, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today, and, and you know, congratulations on all of Mettel's success, and and for your long support of Channel Partners. We really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, guys. Have a great Thanks, day.
1: Ed. Always love talking about SD-WAN. Great stuff there from Ed. Later in the show, we're going to be talking about UCAS. So we're covering two of the hottest topics in the channel on this podcast. I don't know how we did it, Kevin.
0: With two of the hottest podcasting hosts in the industry. Well... Maybe not.
2: That's debatable.
0: But, <laughs> it certainly is, but it should also be mentioned that uh, our listeners can find more content from Metel on Channel Partners and Channel Futures coming soon, uh, with an SD-WAN Storyscape highlighting some quality content as well as a webinar
1: on their mobility portfolio. A Storyscape, I like that. Definitely two upcoming vehicles to help partners improve their know-how. Oops, I said it again. Speaking of which, as I understand it. Kevin, you have a few recommendations on how our listeners can improve their personal know-how while working from home during this pandemic.
0: I certainly do, Craig. As we all know, there are a multitude of digital means to really help educate yourself on some things that you really haven't had time to look at previously. Some of the things I've been looking at are the MIT OpenCourseWare. This has been popular for a long time, but just in case our listeners haven't heard about it, MIT, the prestigious technology school in Massachusetts, offers its course materials for free online this includes you know some of the lectures that professors are giving some of the lesson plans and texts just a great way to buff up i've been looking at history courses there of all things uh, mm-hmm. just because i feel so lackluster lately in my history knowledge i've forgotten a lot of things i don't know how that happened but uh in addition <laughs> to that uh, a little more common one is is linkedin learning of course great resource for anything you want to look up and learn more about uh, masterclass has a few great things. Of course, that is a subscription service, but uh, I recently did one on the art of negotiation, which was hosted by uh, an FBI agent. The TED Talks, always great. I did download an app, believe it or not, on my phone. That was not just a game. Uh, It's called Elevate. (laughs) It's a brain training app. Uh, It's really good. There is a yearly subscription, but you can get your whole family on there too. It, It helps you retain what you're reading. It does math practice and things like that. It's really cool. And then Something I definitely need, because I'm always on the go, is another app called Calm, which is kind of a, it's a meditation and almost a help-you-go-to-sleep app, which is good when your mind is racing, which I'm sure that's happening to a lot of us these days in 2020.
1: Calm. Download the app today. I've seen that commercial on uh, one of the news channels I watch pretty much in every break. So I'm familiar with the product for sure.
0: <laughs> I, I found that app via commercial from one of the games I play on my iPad. So just so you know. Uh, it's everywhere. I'm getting really educated at video games as well. So, so that's a good <laughs> thing. But if you're looking for some real education that is strictly channel focused. Uh,
1: Kevin, this is a channel podcast. Why wouldn't they be?
0: Yeah, I know, Craig. I was just trying to set you up to drop the knowledge on them.
1: You know, you should look for a podcasting or digital content creation course, man. Jeez, this episode is rough. Anyway, as Kevin was fumbling to explain, if you're looking for channel-focused content, we've got you more than covered at Channel Partners and Channel Futures. So we talked briefly about this one last time on the podcast, but it's worth reiterating. We have a COVID-19 help series on channel partners online. That's focused on a couple of things. First, what vendors, master agents, and distributors are doing to help their partners and customers through some pretty difficult times. Also on that page, which I'll provide a link to on the landing page for this podcast, are videos and live webinars available on demand shortly after their conclusion featuring some big names in the channel topics include protecting clients businesses succeeding in a flexible work environment ensuring business continuity and more some fantastic resources there for this point in time also this spring we posted version three this has become an annual event of our cp lists focused on ucas and sd WAN. We once again polled analysts and members of our Channel Partners Advisory Board to get a list of 20 top UCAS and SD WAN providers in the channel, including why they made the list. I'll offer up links on the podcast landing page to those lists as well. And over on the Channel Future side, be sure to see the Channel Educational Series we've been rolling out. Webinars are at the heart of this. Forrester's J. McBain just hosted one on communicating with customers during uncertain times. That's now available on demand, as is the five-second outcome-based sales pitch. Juan Fernandez of ImageNet Consulting hosted that one. Tune in to see if that five-second pitch is legit. So a ton of resources, Kevin, on Channel Partners Online and Channel Futures to boost your know-how.
0: Well said, Craig. As always, uh, see, I'm not going to insult you like you have been doing to me. Turnabout is not fair play. <laughs> uh, and speaking of staying educated in the channel, we have an industry veteran set to join us who is making waves in UCAS with a company that might seem relatively new to our listeners.
1: Hey, let's bring him in.
0: And with that, Craig, please allow me to welcome in our guest. He is Jim Ratandi. Jim is the National Channel Manager with Gigtel. Jim, how are we doing today?
3: Great, Kevin. Thank you. Appreciate your time.
0: Thank you so much for joining. Let's get right to it here. As a channel veteran, many of our listeners probably know you quite well, most recently via the work you did with Windstream Enterprise. What interests you most and ultimately led to you taking on your current role as national channel manager at Gigtel?
3: Well, as you've just kind of suggested and, and said, I am a veteran of the industry and specifically the channel and actually held a few positions in the UCAS world. So I'm pretty comfortable i know the market and i know what's out there so i did my homework like any good person should and quite simply gigtel slash endeavor has a unique package and offer that i think quite frankly is above all others you know on a super personal level i get my drive and motivation only when i can really buy into what i'm selling i just can't fake it i've tried but i can't i have to get religion to be good at what i do and quite frankly, when I did my homework on Gigtel, I got religion, I got passion, and I think, in simple terms, we are different and better than virtually any other offer out there. So that's why I joined. If I could possibly just, right off the bat, tell you one of the motivating factors for me in terms of that homework and what it produced is that what really put the fire in my belly is the word support. I've been in the indirect and direct world for many, many years. And in the direct world, you know, selling for a particular supplier, support is important, but in the channel, support should be issue number one, in my mind. A strong channel partner, whether they be a master and or a direct agent, lives and dies by selling to a customer, making them happy, and then selling them more stuff later because that sale went well. When I looked at Gigtel, quite frankly, and I'm not seeing this in many years of the industry, our support is employees, 100% employees based in the United States of America. Pre-sales, implementation, post-sale, employees. As we all know as veterans in the communication world, stuff doesn't always go perfect. There is a need for support. So in my mind, support at all levels is what separates Gigtel, the haves and the have-nots. And I'll be honest with you, I think we have it. We don't outsource, let alone offshore. And as a tenured guy with a lot of experiences, and I could tell you of many of those experiences, outsourcing support is economical. It makes business sense in a lot of cases, but quite frankly, uh, the level of support when you outsource certainly can be questioned. Good
1: stuff, Jim. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, UCAS. It's a really hot topic on the channel, as uh, Kevin likes to quote Will Farrell from Zoolander, it's so hot right now. <laughs> so Jim, maybe you talk a little bit about what sets uh, Gigtel's solution portfolio apart from other UCAS providers that uh, partners might be familiar with?
3: Absolutely. And, and let me kind of frame that answer a, a little bit first. Again, I've been in the direct world for a long time. And when you think about selling in a direct world, you're in front of a prospect telling them why your product is better and you're selling only your product and you're giving them the advantages and the reasons why they should tell you yes that's the direct work the channel in my mind extremely different read just about any channel partners web page anything they say what do they espouse they're a consultant they're an advisor they're being vendor agnostic Their whole business plan is to understand what the customer needs and then tell the customer, I've got six choices, 10 choices, and based upon what you've told me as your advisor, I think X, Y, Z is the best fit. That is to me the difference between direct and channel, and today we're talking about channel. Again, I said it earlier and I'll say it again, the channel partners live by the hope that what they suggest, what they offer to their customer is a fantastic experience because it's all about repeat business. So in my mind, it's critical. Channel partners choose extremely carefully who they put in their portfolio. My UCAS CCAS product, it's not new. We've been selling it successfully to over three years to our direct customers. It's time tested. In fact, we're on version 41 of our product with continued enhancements to that product. It's fully featured. I know UCAS World pretty well, as I told you before, there's no holes, no gaps. And frankly, I think we've got some features others don't have. I'm literally closing a deal today, displacing one of the bigs that I'll leave nameless, because they cannot do two-digit dialing internally. We can. We do. And guess what? I won the deal strictly because the CEO doesn't want to dial three digits. He wants to dial two. I can do that. Again, at least one, if not two a year, significant enhancements to our product. We listen, maybe not a big deal, but 100% SLA in writing. Our prices to the end user are extremely competitive. I will not lose a deal on price, very simple. We offer some really slick optional services at really attractive pricing that are probably, uh, depending upon the size of the channel partner's customer, extremely attractive. From a, you know, a very simple proactive network monitoring, to a pretty extensive network monitoring if they indeed don't have the IT staff to do that themselves. In addition, if needed, although the product is clearly doesn't need to be, we offer a white glove implementation service for those customers who prefer that kind of treatment. To the channel partner themselves, we've got a a phenomenal user-friendly channel partner portal. So yeah, you can quote it, you can propose it, you can sell it, pretty standard in the industry. But in our portal, you can literally watch your sale go through the implementation process real time. So, from a channel's partner's perspective, they've got people making sure they have a happy customer. Guess what? You're watching the portal, you're watching the steps, you're making sure it's on track. That's, to me, a tremendous advantage.
0: Wow, Jim, uh, you definitely said a lot for the partners out there. A wide portfolio, a passion for support, uh, transparency throughout the implementation process. So, sounds like Gigtel's doing a lot of great things out there. and and, you know, that leads me to my next question. Um, you've kind of alluded to it earlier uh, in terms of your parent company, Endeavor Communications, uh, which has been around for 70 years. But with Gigtel being a relatively new name on the block, uh, how has being part of such a well-established organization helped Gigtel to become immediately successful? And how can it also prove beneficial for partners as well as their end-user customers down the line?
3: Yeah, so let's, let's frame that. Gigtel is a new go-to-market name and in-name only. Endeavor, again, 70 years, even me with all my tenure, I'm not that old, right? 70 years of stellar service, happy, satisfied customers, a service legacy second to no other company. That's who Gigtel is. We're Endeavor, and we know how to do it. We know how to care for our customers, and we know how to take that passion and that pride of ownership and take it to the next level. Product, as I said, Gigtel's a new name. The product's not new. It's tenured. It's awesome. It works. It's time-tested. This is simply a launch of what we've been doing with great success as Endeavor out to the nation through the channel. It's a pure expansion. It's not a new offer. We're not a new company trying to make our way. We're simply a highly successful legacy company that's expanding. As I said to you before and quite a few times, and I'll probably say it again, for for a channel partner, I think of this thing as a marathon. It's not a sprint. To me, repeat business has to be critical for them unless they're choosing to just, you know, spend a short time as a partner. They've, they've got to be thinking about repeat business. And that doesn't happen if a channel partner makes a bad recommendation to one of their end users. they got to pick their partners carefully, and Gigtel slash Endeavor fills all the needs and then some. We've got the history, we've got the stamps, been there, done there, got the t-shirt, and that's the kind of person, in my mind, a channel partner really wants to uh, hitch their wagon to.
1: Hey, Jim, one thing we've been asking uh, everyone on our podcast a little bit about the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, As a channel industry vet, do you have advice for partners out there, and all of us for that matter, who continue to navigate uh, the channel through these uncertain times?
3: Yeah, I do. And I think about that in the UCAS world. So, you know, just just to go back a couple years, pre-pandemic, I've been witnessing this in my whole career, at least for the last few years. Due to cost and constraints, the world has been switching from a brick and mortar world to a virtual world. That's been happening. That's not new. The ability and need to be able to work everywhere and anywhere is a critical business need for any kind of business, whatever you happen to be. Now, unfortunately, with the addition of the pandemic, that need just increases exponentially. So many customers are afraid of the technology, especially the small to medium-sized companies. They're concerned about putting their phone service on the internet. They're concerned about all the possible things. They're so used to the standard premise systems. The channel partners need to be able to make an offer them with 100 confidence and comfort that the technology they're going to sell them to keep up with the ever-changing world is the right technology it works yeah things break things happen but it's fixed quickly it's fixed well why because you have tremendous support so my advice is you know to the channel partners already was happening with the increase of the pandemic it's it's a tough time it's a tough time and you need to be able to explain to your customers with extreme confidence that the people you've partnered with are the right people to go to battle with. So many times, sadly, some channel partners like shiny objects. We all do, right? But shiny objects tarnish. You look at yourself as a channel partner and maybe you see that 8, 12 times spiff. Wow, does that look fantastic. Well, let me just offer this piece of Jim Ritondi advice. Ask yourself, what will that partner look like in a year? that you thought was wonderful that you put in front of your end user? Will they be here? Will they have the same name? Will they be purchased by somebody else? I'm not sure that's a great formula for a channel partner to grow and sustain their business. So my ultimate advice to the channel partners amid this sad situation we're all living through, do your homework like I did.
0: Jim,, uh, you just nailed it in a multitude of ways because uh, we're letting our listeners behind the scenes a little. You didn't know the theme of this podcast when we conducted this interview, and the theme is beefing up your know-how. You know, using this time to do your homework on on a lot of things, including uh, which vendor to choose. So very well done there. And speaking of beef, I got to ask you a follow-up question that you might not be prepared for, but being a Chicago native, I have to ask: Is it all about Al's Italian Beef, or, or maybe Johnny's, or, or Mr. Beef? Uh, where Where do you recommend?
3: Well, they're all good, and you have to remember what you're eating is an Italian Beef sandwich. S A N G W I C H sandwich, guys. Sandwich. <laughs> and you get sweeter, hotter, both. Sadly, many people like it dipped, which I don't because it's already messy enough. And there's no such thing as a bad Italian beef sandwich.
0: How about uh, that? That's that again. Great advice. Uh, I'm gonna go hit them all one next time I'm in Chicago. There's no yeah, doubt let, about that.
3: You let me know, and uh, I'd be glad to host you.
0: We'll enjoy five or six sandwiches together. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, looking forward can, to it.
3: Yeah. <laughs> You put your elbows on the counter. It's a stand-up counter in most places. You put your elbows on it. You place your feet back because unless you want beef juice on your shirt, which is my MO, uh, (laughs) you don't want that to happen. I'm in no matter how it's
1: pronounced.
0: That, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> and, where, and where that beef juice ends up. That, that's that's right. awesome. All right. Well, good stuff. Well, well, Jim, where can uh, partners find you? We're going to see Gigtel, of course, uh, hopefully at the Channel Partners Expolution, as we're affectionately calling it, event September 8th to the 11th in Las Vegas. But uh, where can they find you in the meantime if they're looking to connect with your team?
3: Well, clearly, we've got a website just for Gigtel, uh, com. I've got, obviously, an email, jim.rotandi, jim.rotandi, R-O-T-O-N-D-I, gigtel.com, and uh, I'm in LinkedIn, and I actually have a phone, and it happens to be UCAS, which means it rings at my computer, my desk, and my mobile phone, and <laughs> I will, you will find me, 765 9279. But my company knows what I do for a living. And do you either place a a request for some more information into our website and or send me an email and or call me and I assure you I'd look forward to talking to you. Excellent.
0: Well, Jim, thanks so much for the time today. Uh, Looking forward to continue learning more about Gigtel and seeing all the great things you'll be doing in the coming months.
3: Thank you both. Really appreciate your time. Thanks,
0: Jim. Phenomenal interview and info from Jim there, Craig. Uh, Looks like they're off to a great start at Gigtel, and it looks like I've got about 12 sandwiches to eat in Chicago. I'm sorry, (laughs) sandwiches.
1: (laughs) Well, like I said, however it's pronounced, uh, some people pronounce it sandwich, sandwich or sandwich. Uh, Sandwich. Sign me up for those, too.
0: (laughs) My mom used to say sandwich.
1: No matter the dialect, uh, I'm in for sure. It was fantastic not just to hear about the sandwiches, of course, but uh, to hear about UCAS, uh, learn more about Gigtel, And his advice on working through COVID-19, much like many of the rest of our guests, really solid as well. For sure, Craig. Speaking of uh, great, Kevin, I have to say, you've really done a great job throughout this podcast.
0: Whoa, what? Did that actually just happen? I'm I'm so honored. Thank you, Craig.
1: Yep, a great job rambling on about know-how for so long that we don't have time to provide our listeners with a compelling and funny closing segment. As I said, great job. Really, really stellar work today, Kev.
0: One of these days, Craig, my recent cooking experiments will pan out, and I will serve you a nice fine plate of comeuppance.
1: Yeah, I'd much rather have the sandwich. (laughs) 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 I really look forward to that day of comeuppance never happening, buddy.
0: (laughs) Well played as always, good sir. Please let us put an end to this episode of my ongoing embarrassment and hit him with
1: a closer. If you'd like to download the archive of copy with Craig and Kevin, you can do so in a multitude of ways. You can go to SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, type Channel Partners Online into the search bar. Of course, you can always find us where Kevin? On the flagship, ChannelPartnersOnline.com. Thanks so much for joining us again, everyone. We'll catch you next time. And if you don't know, now you know.
0: I
3: need